Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver is a wellness-based podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health provider. We've made it to the last week in June. The series this month has been entitled, oh, We Deserve, and we've been talking about all of the things we deserve. Safety, respect, to be seen and heard, responsive, affirming, and appropriate health care, and also legislation. Like, let's work on making this world a better place for us to live in. So the first week, we discussed creating safe spaces for the LGBTQIA plus community. Second week, we were talking about affirming mental health services. Third week, we discussed affirming and loving our youth who identify as LGBTQIA+. And today, we're going to be getting into some of the intersections of ethnicity and spirituality within the LGBTQIA population. Uh, so, you know, I like to share some stats sometimes because I think it's important for us to be able to understand what people are dealing with. I think that allows us to be able to walk in someone else's shoes and to be able to understand where they're coming from. So these stats... Uh, are from the Center for American Progress and the American Medical Association, as well as the Minority Affairs Section and Advisory Committee on LGBTQ Issues. So what are we talking about here when we talk about the intersection of um, LGBTQ plus I, uh, LGBTQIA plus spirituality and African-Americans? So 40% of LGBTQ plus adults are people of color and 1.2 million adults, which is about 12%, identify as both black and LGBT. Um, about 80% of people uh, who are black, whether they are or are not LGBT, report experiencing discrimination. We know discrimination is very real in people of color, but also African Americans um, tend to um, exponentially report that they engage in behavior to avoid harmful experiences. So one in three report avoiding public spaces, such as stores or restaurants, because they don't want to have to experience discrimination. Two in five have moved away from family, so they're not discriminated against in their own families. And one in five uh, avoid travel because they don't want to deal with the discrimination. 70%, 78% of black LGBTQ individuals report discrimination has affected their ability to be hired. 40% um, have reported avoiding law enforcement to avoid discrimination. 56% have reported that discrimination has affected their ability to retain employment to some degree. And where, you know, this is also affecting people in terms of their ability to be able to get jobs, to be able to own homes, to be able to have children, to be able to adopt children. We know that LGBTQ individuals um, who are people of color have higher rates of food insecurity and homelessness. We know that 24% of black LGBTQ people reported that they do not go get necessary services for themselves or their family because they don't want to have to deal with the discrimination. And 16% of black LGBTQ people reported postponing adding children to their family to avoid experiencing discrimination. Uh, I also want to just highlight um, the degree that being LGBTQ and black has affected people engaging in spiritual practices. So we recognize that 86% have talked about that their spirituality has been affected to some degree um, as they have identified as black and LGBTQ. Now, we know uh, we've talked about negative experiences in a couple of episodes again with healthcare providers. 
so we know that that is something that already people are dealing with. We know that there are higher rates of depression in people that identify as LGBTQ, um, but also specifically among black LGBTQ, and that is regardless of their gender. Um, but we also recognize why, the why. So why are we here? Why are we ending up in this space where people of color who identify as LGBTQ plus IA or um, specifically African-Americans, like why are we dealing with so much more difficulty because of those intersections? And there's a lot of different reasons, right? One is that, uh, unfortunately, we have been taught that there is one that is better, one that is best, one that is right, one that is acceptable, one that is um, of God even. Um, and so that can be one ethnicity, that can be one sexual, sexual orientation, that can be one gender identity. But because of that, because of this um, perspective that one is greater, that there has to be one that is better, then it tends to lead to disenfranchisement of any other group that's not. Uh, those ethnicities, those sexual orientations, those gender identities that are not perceived to be in the majority or the right are typically more likely to be underserved, whether that's in healthcare, mental health services, being able to access funding, being able to just get resources they need in general, food, um, insurance, right? being able to even access uh, daycares for children. And so we discussed last week the challenges that can occur with our young people when they're in families that are not accepting, um, where that can lead to the depression, the um, suicidality, the anxiety, but it also contributes to adverse childhood experiences. And so what we're seeing amongst our LGBTQIA plus youth of color, um, which is, these are some interesting kind of stats here, among youth who are incarcerated or in detention, over two-thirds are sexual minority girls. 80% of young people incarcerated or in detention are youth of color. And we also know that our LGBT youth are overrepresented in foster care, um, somewhere between 20 and 30%. Most of them are, are uh, youth of color, but we will say that we recognize that for a lot of our young people that are in foster care, they didn't necessarily come out prior to them being um, placed in foster care. So we know that that is not a stat that exists in isolation. All of the other factors that lead to disenfranchisement of particular groups in foster care, so our youth of color who are often considered as less desirable um, or more problematic, uh, are often placed in, in those environments at a higher rate. Um, we also recognize that when our black gay men who are fathers um, want to be able to provide for their families, they're getting lower incomes and lower ability to be able to get insurance to the point of not having insurance. So we also recognize a disparity in that way as well. So what are we saying all this to say, Tarver? Um, well, I will say to you that part of the reason that I'm having this conversation is because I think it is incumbent upon us. You all know that um, mental health and spirituality is very important to me. And one of the things that I recognize is that you cannot have an identity um, that is missing part of the whole, 
right? So our physical, our mental, our spiritual, our financial, you've heard me talk about the eight wellness areas, social, environmental, all of these things go together. And what ends up happening sometimes, particularly for African-American people who identify as LGBTQIA+, um, is that there is this attempt to separate out. Now, we discussed in our uh, week one about that um, sexual orientation comes from a lot of different places, biological, so this genetic piece, um, how we're socialized growing up, but, but it isn't a function of um, that you are uh, an abomination. It's not um, that you are making a choice, right? So we've been very clear about that there are so many things that affect um, who we are. Sexual orientation, pretty staple over time. Um, so that is already uh, something that you are going to experience regardless, right? We do know that our experiences allow us to feel safe, not safe, um, expose us to different things. And we do know that our young people who are exposed um, to, again, adverse experiences are more likely to engage in high-risk sexual behaviors. But that is different than sexual orientation, as is the risk factors for getting involved in, in substance abuse, right? So, but what I do understand is that for a lot of people, they have felt abandoned um, by their faith communities. So I was uh, doing a little research and I ran across a blog by Reverend Cedric Harmon um, and he talked about the Public Religion Research Institute that found that African Americans overwhelmingly support policies that promote greater equality for LGBT people. More than any other racial group, African Americans believe that businesses and the government should not be allowed to refuse services to LGBT people based on religious beliefs. Why is that? Because we recognize the importance of equality, right? Injustice to one is injustice to all. And so there tends to be in the African-American um, community this belief of supporting each other so that there is equality, but also that we recognize that as people who are believers, people of faith, um, that we want to be doing things that are reflective of who God is in our lives, um, and who got in, in in our lives is a caring, loving person, right? And so that is why sometimes we're at odds with um, the Bible and um, sexual orientation and gender identity, right? And we think it's at odds with God, but it really often sometimes is at odds with text and scripture that we're referencing. So um, tell us what you mean. So we know that there are uh, probably about a handful of texts that people will refer to uh, when they're talking about um, LGBTQ plus IA population, right? Um, so Leviticus. Um, so that's where this whole um, you're an abomination comes from. Jude is a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the um, um, sexually uh, promiscuous behaviors. Uh, Romans, where we're engaging in dishonorable passions. Mark is the reference of the creation of male and female uh, that we've heard some of our politicians refer to, that one is born one way or the other, right? So that's where it comes from. But as we look more closely at some of the scriptures that we think may condemn sexual orientation, and gender identity um, that is not considered heterosexual um, or um, uh, that is, is moving away um, from cis um, gender is actually, if you look at those, those scriptures, what they condemn is abuse and rape and prostitution and violence, right? And um, 
there, uh, there is some research to suggest that there's also condemnation of um, child sexual exploitation, which is where those scriptures were taken from. But as we know, when people are interpreting information, if you've ever played the secret game, you know that you whisper, uh, or the whisper game might be what it's called. You whisper into someone's ear, and then by the time you get done, it's something else. This is what we know sometimes about translations, right? We all put a little bit different spin on it. We all hear it in a different perspective. Um, it becomes our voice. And so what we're recognizing is that some of this scripture um, is also a product of the time of which it was written, right? Which is why we also will see references to women um, not being in leadership, uh, particularly in churches or women being treated um, as less than men. Um, or um, we'll see uh, scripture referencing uh, women and when they're on their menstrual cycles needing to be separate uh, from people, right? So we're understanding that in the context of which some of this scripture was transcribed, that we may have um, lost its intent, the intent of it, right? So that we get away from what really we, um, we say is the tenets of who Jesus is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, or who God is, if you're a believer in God, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, which is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, because that is actually the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And is those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what does that mean? That the greatest of these is love. And so we will often take a few passages considered to condemn um, same gender love um, and, and we'll hold on to them. Um, but if we're really um, uh, people who say again, uh, that we believe in God. God is love. And so the most treasured gift that God ever gave, um, if you're, again, believer in Jesus Christ, was his son. Um, but even beyond that, God's children, right, are one of God's greatest gifts. And so in recognizing that God made us um, and that we're in God's image, then we could not really be able to say that anything is more important than ensuring justice and grace and love and kindness and patience with God's children. And if we recognize that God is in fact love and that God's word is not limited to his scripture or God's scripture, I don't like to put a gender on God, um, but a reflection of how we are to live um, and be a reflection, right? And so it's not that Jesus or God ever spoke explicitly against sexual orientation or gender identity. And it's important that we don't get so hubris, um, don't get develop such hubris, don't develop such arrogance, um, that we miss um, the spirit uh, for sake of the words. Um, we don't want to worship the Bible. Uh, we don't want to get to a point where we're not having a relationship with God or God's children because we're so stuck on some wording. Um, we want to be able to recognize that divorce and slavery and um, other things that we recognize are, are not treating our loved ones with the kindness that they deserve, God's children with kindness, is also referenced in scripture. And the church has done a, a much better job of moving away from how um, children are treated, how women are treated, how we treat human beings. And that has had to be, be readdressed. And church has had to issue some apologies, right? Because we recognize that we want to have a spirit of acceptance and a spirit of inclusion. And we understand that most people um, who are African-American do not believe in discrimination because we recognize how it can affect all of us. 
Um, and we also do not uh, uh, appreciate religious refusal laws where you're saying that you are not going to allow someone access simply because there may be an aspect of them that doesn't connect with you. We know that God intended for all of us to be free, to be treated very justly, to us to have equal opportunity to be able to access the things we need, um, and that it is important for us to recognize that as God's children, we have inherent worth simply because of who we are. And it is not something that God wants for us, which is to exclude other people who are God's children. In other words, we don't want to let anything separate us from the love of God, nor do we want to do things that separate others from God's love. So regardless of your gender identity, your sexual orientation, or your ethnicity, let me be very clear with you that God is love. And God's love is consistent and unconditional, regardless of what text you're reading or its translation. So be well.